Hey guys, welcome to Word Books with Friends, and we're here with episode number 14. Uh, we're continuing on with our reread of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Today we're sitting down for chapter number 14, Norbert the, the, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. It's hard to say that like out loud, like those words in succession. I had a lot of trouble with that, and I'm sorry. I'm Chris, and I'm once again joined by my best friend, Paul. Hey, I'm Paul. And can you say Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback? Ooh, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. Okay. I, I think you, you nailed it the first try. That's one of those, like, say it three times fast things. It's really hard to do. So apologies for stumbling over that. And apologies to this episode's sponsor, because, of course, today we are being brought to you by the fine folks at Fizzing Wisbees. Fizzing Wisbees. If your Wisbee continues to be fizzing 12 hours after whizzing, please contact a medical professional. That's good advice. <laughs> I, I really, I really don't want my whisby to fi- be fizzing that long. So, you know, and somebody that probably should be con- contacting a medical prof- professional is uh, Professor Quill. And man, that was <sighs> difficult to say for me. See, Quill's a weird name, just because you've got that like Q U, then the double R's, and then the double L's at the end. Like, I can see that being difficult for people to say, especially like his his first name too, Queerness Quill. Like that's. Yeah, Quirinus Quirrell. Uh, I, when I say Professor Quirrell, I try to try to say Professor Swirl with a silent S. That makes sense. But yeah, Quirrell's not at the top of his game right now. Uh, he's walking around the school. He's pale. He's like losing weight. Uh, and we have the trio assuming that this is because, you know, he's being threatened and bullied around by Professor Snape. Nobody trusts him to do his job. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, he is a, well, defense against the dark arts professor, which nobody seems to be able to do that job. Very true. Well, do we know how long he's had this post? Is he new this year? Um, Did I miss that? Am I forgetting this from the first chapter? Because I know he was I, abroad and he was hunting down witches. I think he was a recent appointment to it. I can't remember. I, something worth looking into because I don't think he's been in the position for a while because there's, you know, even word and rumors spoken that, you know, that the position's cursed. Like, so I think it's probably maybe just, you know, within like a, a couple terms at the longest. So you got Professor Quirrell, who's nervous. And then you got the Golden Trio, Ron, Hermione, and Harry, all very nervous because uh, they only got 10 more weeks until final exams. So they're hitting the books and hitting the books hard. Well, they're no longer in the library. Her- Hermione's hitting them a little bit harder than everybody else. Right. They're no longer in the library trying to figure out who Nicholas Fomel is. So because they got that figured out, thanks to candy cards. Yeah. Stupid books, no help. Yes, yeah, stupid books. Nobody needs you. <laughs> we get all of our information off of trading cards now. And Snapple caps. Ooh, uh, fun fact on that, too. Uh, you know most of those aren't true, right? Right. Okay, yeah. And for people that might not know that, that's why it's a quote-unquote real fact, because most of them are fake, and they want you to go to Snapple.com to see if it's actually real or not. Do they still do that? I don't even know. I don't. I haven't bought a Snapple in a while. I'm Nothing against them. I just – it's not my uh, soft drink of choice. When that uh, the glass bottle top, you know, pops – that is a magical sound. Oh, that's... 
<laughs> That's so satisfying. As soon as he even mentioned it, like I started to get chills. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, a Snapple with a side of a stout sandwich would be mm, delicious. I mean, I'm a fan of drinking stout beers, but what's a stout sandwich? Well, it's a sandwich that uh, Hagrid offers to the kids after the kids notice Hagrid in the library. And they think that's weird uh, because Hagrid reading, apparently, even in the books... Hagrid is very smart. Look, oh, the movie's yeah. done him dirty. Uh, agreed, definitely. He's, he's smart. He goes to the library, he reads, he keeps up on things. He knows how to get stuff around the school done. You don't become games teacher, games master and keeper of keys by less, resting on your laurels. you got to keep up on the newest trends. He's in the library to uh, kind of do some investigations on care of a magical beast. You know, we'll get to that later. Yeah. And, uh... When the three kids go to visit him, they yeah, they offer, he offers them a stout sandwich, a stout S T A S T O A T. So I might be mispronouncing it because I've only ever read it. Stoke. It's a real uh, flamel flamel situation here. Yeah, exactly. See, it all comes back, everybody. It all comes back. It all comes a, back. A stoat is a uh, type of weasel. So probably not a lot of meat on those bones. So how many stouts do you think you need to? have like a decent sandwich thinly sliced maybe it's like a thinly sliced kind of meat like a deli meat you would do it oh uh, see when, yeah. when you said like when you told me what it was in the pre-episode stuff i imagined it like a like a brisket almost like mm. i just for some reason thought just like heaps of like slow cooked meat and it could be because i'm gonna go buy brisket tomorrow but but brisket that's a working bustle Mm-hmm. Right, and so a stout, a weasel-like creature, you wouldn't think it would have much resting meat on it, so you wouldn't have that tender meat um, mm-hmm. that you'd be that you'd look for in like a sliced deli meat or anything like that. So yeah, you probably would braise it, just a slow cook, and then maybe do a pulled pulled sandwich. But I think with a gamey meat like that, you would overly spice it anyways. Mm-hmm. And really, a good braising and a solid red wine or something like that. That's what I'm imagining. Ooh, because you have a, st- a, a stoat and a stout, do you think? A stoat and a stout, yeah. A, a, st- stout, braised, a stout braised stoat. I'd, I'd eat the hell out of that, actually. Uh, which brings me to a weird question. What's the weirdest meat sandwich that you've ever had? Uh, I've never had anything like weasel or anything like that, or even rabbit. Okay. Um, so it hasn't been in sandwich form. Um, it was actually in like a like a venison jerky kind of situation. Um, but I have had ostrich mm-hmm. and kangaroo, yep. which, I mean, again, it was in like a jerky situation. So it was like, you know, dried and spiced. So it didn't have like any real standout flavors. Um I don't know if this is common elsewhere in the world, but I've had a, like a bison burger before because mm-hmm. there is a bison farm in Western New York. I can't remember where, but you know, it's like a not readily available meat, but it's like a, Hey, if you want this, like it's, you know, like a 40 minute drive, you can go get, you know, bison. Um, but after that, I think like the next weirdest thing that I've had was actually when I was in the process of moving down to Florida originally from, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it was a long drive. Stopped uh, in Franklinville, Tennessee for the night, just 
to rest because you can't drive like 21 hours in one day. Like it was uncalled for. But the place my ex and I stopped at for dinner after we parked at the hotel, like got ourselves set up, uh, actually had fried gator tail. Huh. Uh, and it was served with like a, it's like a spicy mayo dip almost like kind of like if you get onion rings from somewhere and they have that kind of like horseradish mayo kind of aioli yeah whatever uh it was kind of small bites like they weren't big pieces it was comparable to something like a popcorn chicken like just like a bite size it wasn't bad but it's just i'm a texture person when it comes to eating i'm not a fan of i call them the uh the squeakies or the squishies. Mm. Like I don't, I don't like any kind of shellfish. Like I'm not a fan of lobster, crab, like mussels, um, even like stuff like shrimp, where it's like that weird kind of gritty squish. Uh, even stuff like mushrooms sets that off. Like if mushrooms like diced up in something else, that's fine. Like you know, you can mix it in like a pasta sauce. That's cool. But I. The thought of having a mushroom on my salad or a mushroom burger, no thank you. Too squishy. Right. Um, it was that kind of... Oh my, sorry. Just thinking about it now, it reminded me of almost uh, fried squid kind of texture. Okay. It was like yeah. a really... Yeah, it was like a really light like tempura fry on it. So like the crisp itself was fine, but it's just like biting through that into like a tough... A tough squishy... Not my go-to, go-to texture, but it, it wasn't bad, you know. I, I have another one that's kind of weird, but um, all in burger form. I haven't had anything uh, really that outrageous or weird. I mean, if, if you're, you're afraid of something, just put it in a burger. Yeah, you'll be fine. Like, um, you know, I've had dried bugs before, like crickets and stuff like that. But that Honestly, I've never had that. Like, I know a lot of places sell those as, like, the novelty, like, oh, get, get your fried yeah. crickets. I've never had that. Yeah, they're not great because they are really they're crunchy in a bad way because they are so there are those little pieces that do actually get t- caught in my teeth. It's like the worst part of pop. It's the worst part of popcorn. The crunch is satisfying, but man, it's like eating a bunch of popcorn shells. The weirdest burger I had is uh, I had a wild boar burger recently within the past six months. Uh, kangaroo burger once. Um, both at the same place. <laughs> I would try boar. I imagine it's probably just similar to like pork. Yeah, but except it, like gamier. Yeah, a little gamier, a little bit not as fatty. You know, not as fatty, so it actually made a leaner beef meat patty than I was expecting. Ham and and pig. You, you think of like um, almost a more stringy kind of meat you know how it kind of strings when you eat a, like you when you eat a mm-hmm. ham steak yeah, you, like you see like the striations yeah yeah and the meat this actually turned you know was a really good ground beef kind of or ground or kind of patty uh kangaroo same way uh, but those are often missed with a lot of spices and i think some binders as well to keep them that way i know the uh kangaroo had a lot of you know, added a, you know, I add the spices within it. Well, you, you know what I say about kangaroo meat. It, it it has a slight bounce to it, right? It's got a little bit of a kick. Ah, oh. <laughs> jokes, people, jokes. <laughs> I think that's how you were sort of a stoked, 
uh, sandwich as well with a lot of spices, a lot of stuff to kind of cover up the gaminess. Before we move on, like my stepdad used to go hunting growing up and he didn't always like catch something because, you know, deer season's pretty big in upstate and Western New York. Uh, but when he actually would, like, I had no problem, like, eating, like, the deer burgers. Like, that was, that was fantastic. No, uh, who doesn't have any problems laying on the charm to try to get some more answers about, uh, whether or not Snape might be trying to get after the stone and why he would, might want it. Hermione Granger. Oh, Hermione. She's, she's go get him at this point. She's got her circle of friends and, like, she knows they got her back. She's, She's just going for things now. Yeah, she lays on the charm. She's like, oh, well, you know, we only ask because cause you know everything that's going on around here, Hagrid. Come on. Basically tells them the professors that are that have put in series of enchantments and spells to help guard against anybody stealing this uh, sorcerer's stone. This kind of reinforces what the trio is thinking. Like, oh, well, this is why he's being so hard on Quirrell because he doesn't know what kind of enchantment or defense he put on this like he's trying to get past his spell like he couldn't get past fluffy because we've already seen like the physical evidence where he got bit by the dog so now i'm like this is why he's really roughing up quirrell because like he knows how to get past all of the other teachers spells at this point but during this uh afternoon tea that the four of them are enjoying they notice that hagrid has a uh something on the fire that Probably should. Is it, is it more more stout? <laughs> no, it's a big black egg that Ron uh, recognizes as a dragon egg. Ron, knowing this, you know he's a little bit more well versed in the wizarding world than Harry and Hermione are. But then also he kind of has the benefit where his older brother Charlie works with dragons in Romania. Ron seems pretty up to date on just you know what's going on with dragons in the wizarding world. Like we already know that. Uh, Hagrid was looking up books about dragons when he was in a library and Ron's the first one to say like, no, like having a dragons that's against the law. Like you can't own one. Like just to kind of like throw it over to like the tiger King thing. Like you're not supposed to have this. What nobody knows won't hurt anybody is what Hagrid's thinking. Right. And I mean, it definitely <laughs> does hurt Ron <laughs> <laughs> and hurts Hagrid too. <laughs> We're pretty sure. <laughs> He says it just gets his boot, but... He doesn't have to go to the the school nurse about it, which I don't have a note about this. Uh, we'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it now. So Ron winds up getting bit by the dragon that's going to be hatching from the egg, uh, who Hagrid dubs Norbert, which dragons are venomous, or at least uh, the Norwegian ridge, Ridgeback is. I cannot say that. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we get Ron's hand swelling up from the bite and then eventually Ron's going to have to go to Madame Pomfrey, the school school nurse about this. You think she knows that it's a dragon's bite? Because they don't talk about it too much. Ron winds up lying to her saying he got bit by a dog. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of crazy weirdness. You know, it could be a, a venomous dog. We don't know too much about that side of the wizarding world, but if she's, you know, at the top of her game, like, I think we can assume she is. She's probably going to see that and know, like, well, no, this is a dragon bite. Do you think, I don't, I don't have a note about this, but do you think there's some sort of, like, 
witcher wizard HIPAA in place where she's not allowed to talk to anybody else about the fact that an 11 year old kid came into her uh, office with a dragon bite on his hand? Uh, no, I think uh, I think at a school, HIPAA wouldn't come into place. Any kind of medical secrecy wouldn't come into place where if a student is suspected of breaking a school rule or a law, I, I don't think you get protected. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Madame Pomfrey does know, and I think that it will lead into something else that will come up later with uh, Professor McGonagall. Hmm. Because at this point, I think maybe even Professor McGonagall knows. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, we find out that Hagrid's got this dragon egg here, and Ron even says, like, Hagrid, that had to they cost you a fortune. Like, how did you get this? And Hagrid's just like, I just won it. Playing cards at the pub. Even for the wizarding world at that point, it seems weird because we've already heard from Ron that like, no, like this is illegal. Like you can't have this. It, it, it has to be like red flags. We, again, we talked about this a little bit last episode. Hagrid is, is drunk during this whole exchange. But even, like, before this, like, that had to be a red flag. It had to be like, oh, you want to, do you want to play cards for a dragon's egg? Like, how does that conversation even start? I really don't know, because I've never been in the business of creating a dragon's egg. So, but it's really up to the Weasleys here, saving the day. It's uh, Ron recognizing it's a dragon, two coming up with a great plan to get rid of, uh, well, actually, Harry comes up with a plan to reach out to Charlie. Which... Also, in my notes, I have written down, like, they really lucked out by having Ron's older brother, Charlie, be in the dragon game. You know, yeah, he's operating in Romania, so they have to reach out to him by owl. But if they didn't have that little bit of plot luck, ooh, plot luck, <laughs> fun, fun way to share foods uh, while discussing story, um, what would they have done? Because it eventually would have become too big of a thing. They're already nervous enough because as they're sitting around in the Great Hall discussing the fact that, hey, Hagrid's got a dragon, they're aware that Malfoy's sitting behind them and he's eavesdropping on everything that they're saying before they get the letter from Hagrid saying, like, hey, it's hatching. Right, right. And Draco's just waiting for the right moment to drop this knowledge and really stick it to Harry Potter. You know, he's, he's got an ace up his sleeve. Well, this is something that is going to set off you know, a, a common thread between the next two chapters for us. Uh, we discussed this in the pre-show, so this is no surprise. I don't blame Malfoy for taking a huge interest in this, because regardless of him being, you know, an antagonist and a terrible kid or not, you hear some kids over-talking over about, hey, you know, the groundskeeper's got a dragon's egg. That's really interesting. <laughs> That's really cool. Like, of course he's going to pay attention to it, and I can't believe I'm saying this. In Malfoy's defense, as soon as he hears this and then, you know, goes to Hagrid's hut to see Norbert hatching from the egg, he doesn't instantly tell everybody about it. This is just a cool thing that he's like, oh, like the creepy half-giant that lives on the outskirts of the school grounds has a dragon? Like, that's... That's cool. I want to know more about that. Or is he just biding his time to, one, use that information against Terry, or two, use that information for him to steal the dragon for himself? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to 
say anything at at this point, chapter 14 of the first book, because, you know, all these characters, Draco especially, have so far to go. As a kid, I don't know if it's like, it's just, it's really hard just to, to defend this. I think it's just really cool. And like his first thought is like, no, I, I get to see, see a dragon. Like that's dope. Like, I don't know if he's able to reason at that point to be like, Oh, like this is information I can use. Like that might be in the back of his head, but speaking as a Slytherin, he, he knows he it's useful. <laughs> I mean, it's useful, but at the same time, like first thought, like, no, that's just cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. I imagine like, uh, in the wizarding world, all kids grow up and go through their dragon phase, you know, mm-hmm. just like how normal, normal, but muggle kids grow up and have like a dinosaur phase. I'm assuming there's a, like a dragon phase that every kid goes through and Charlie never grew out of. <laughs> and that's why Ron knows so much about the dragons because Charlie probably was at home and couldn't shut up about them. True. I mean, also I mean, dragons are just, they're cool. Like, I mean, they, even when we get to book four of Goblet of Fire, like, it's a big deal that they have dragons as one of the challenges in the Triwizard Tournament. Like, that's that's huge, you know? Um, there's a whole system set up for keeping dragons secret, you know, where they're basically, like, obliterating Muggles' memories to, to wipe that. And one of the notes that I have here is that would be a really cool side story. Just the people that, you know, it's almost like cops or whatever is like real PD, live PD. I don't know the name of the show. I've never watched it. But, you know, like a day in the life of the people that are responsible for dragon secrecy. That would be an awesome story. Now I'm thinking that every time I hear about somebody self-combusting, what is it? Self-combustion? Sudden mm-hmm. self, what is that? Spontaneous combustion. Us. Spontaneous self-combustion. Thank you. No, that was a dragon attack. That's possible. I, I don't have any uh, evidence to prove otherwise, so I think you're onto something. You know, every time just a car just suddenly explodes and goes up in flame, dragon attack. It wasn't, they've gotten a lot better, you know, with this kind of thing, because now a lot less, you know, Buffalo, New York, I think we're a home for a lot of dragon attacks because we are, we're, at least up until the late 90s, uh, number one for arsons. There you go. I mean, I, I live in Florida. Like, all that Florida man stuff could just be things that are happening with dragons that's uh, being <laughs> obliterated from people's memories. What a world. What a wizarding world. <laughs> they had your plan. And, Chris, you had a little bit of trouble with their logistics here. Charlie yeah. asks the gang to get the Ridgeback up to the tallest tower at midnight on a Saturday. Just because they don't, they say here, trouble is they can't be seen carrying an illegal dragon. So they're going to do this real quick. And you're saying, why go up to the tallest tower? Yeah, for for me, that's just kind of one of those plot things. Because there's no real reason for them to have to go to the, the tallest tower. Like, yeah, it might be easier to get to. But if they're doing this, you know, middle of the night when everyone's already asleep, like, it would still seem to be safer to do it at Hogwarts hut that's already on, you know, kind of, kind of removed from the main castle, but cause it's on the grounds. It's like right at the edge of the forest. Like it, it, that seems like the safer place to do the handoff with Norbert. Also, I'm kind of sad that Charlie himself didn't come to do it. Like he had friends that came because we've heard Charlie mentioned a few times in the book up to this point. It could have just been a fun, 
fun, like, oh, hey, my brother's here. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna come. I mean, they just say, like, oh, yeah, Charlie's friends were nice. Why not have Charlie come? Because then Charlie would have had to figure out a cover story for him going to Hogwarts, picking up the dragon, then coming back. I, I, I don't know my Eastern uh, and Western European uh, geography too much. I don't know how far away Romania is from uh, where Hogwarts is, but if they're doing it in the middle of the night, I, I guess Charlie probably could have came too. It makes sense to go up to the tallest tower. One, you don't need to land. You're just setting up. Two, with the tallest tower, you might even get some cloud cover. You know, so you might not even see two riders on brooms going to the tower. You might have enough cloud cover. It being dark enough, you'll be fine. And I'm thinking that's the logic there is, you know, it cuts down on everything. Because you don't even want people to know those two were there at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I mean, you don't... Would you really rather have them risk 11-year-olds dragging a dragon through a castle to up to the top tower? Because that seems like a lot more hassle, too. I think the plan was for Hagrid to carry the dragon up to the top tower, honestly. And the kid... and. Harry and Hermione and Ron were... I mean, so, like, the actual... an invisibility club. The actual letter here is, uh, Dear Ron, how are you? Thanks for the letter. I'd be glad to take the Norwegian Ridgeback, but it won't be easy getting him here. I think the best thing will be to send him over with some friends of mine who are coming to visit me next week. He basically didn't even send people he knew. It was just, like, friends on an errand. Where it was like, oh, hey, can you go do this for me? Trouble is, they mustn't be seen carrying an illegal dragon. Could you get the Ridgeback up to the tallest tower at midnight on Saturday? They can meet you there and take him away while it's still dark. Send me an answer as soon as possible. Love, Charlie. All right, send me an answer. They could have just said, no, can you pick him up at Hagrid's? The dragon's already there. Right. <laughs> We're kids. We're 11. I think the plan originally was to have Hagrid figure out a way to smuggle the dragon up to the tallest tower. Well, he's too busy getting drunk with his dragon. <laughs> it's nothing but chicken's blood and brandy. Brandy and chicken blood. And he can't even buy that at a butcher shop. Who knows? In the 90s in the UK, maybe he could. Uh, I mean, they're already feeding it like crates full of rats. <laughs> like, who knows? And so he's sneaking crates of full of rats in to Hogwarts, right? Or he's catching the rats himself. I, I'm imagining he's probably catching them somehow. He, he's probably catching them as just as his daily duties. Yeah. You know, throughout keeping Hogwarts nice, even though... Apparently, he's not mowing the yard and doing other work that he should be doing, as the dragon's now almost this full size of his hut. I, I don't mind the logistics, Chris. I, I think it was a sound plan. It, I don't know. It's like those little things that kind of catch me on my uh, reread here, where I'm just like, mm-hmm. you're already going to get an illegal dragon. Like, why not just fly down? Like, use the uh, Forbidden Forest's coverage. Like, fly close to the treetops. You're you're going there anyways. You're you're good enough friends with Charlie that you're going to pick up an illegal dragon for him. Like, wouldn't it set off more alarms if people are flying into Hogwarts versus to the outskirts of it? Because we know that Hogwarts has defenses in place because you can't apparate or disapparate on the grounds. Mm-hmm. Isn't there some sort of, like, broom radar that they have, maybe? Maybe. And maybe at the tallest tower, they're high... Maybe they're high enough. It's a, they're high enough, and maybe they'll stay out of it. And also, Chris, it's a dragon. Maybe thought they thought Hagrid has taught it to fly. Oh, true. And they just needed to fly him up. They probably knew a, a spell or two, and they're probably some sort of dragon wranglers. I, I, okay, 
you won me over with like, oh, well, it's high enough that maybe it's, you know, jamming their sensors. You're losing me with like, oh, they're wizards. They're also 11. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they're I mean, in their first year at wizard school. Hagrid knows enough. He's loves dragons. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know enough about magic. He got kicked out of school. I have more thoughts on that in the next chapter, by the way. You would hope that maybe the dragon could have flown up to the tallest tower itself and just them getting him up to there uh, under the cover of night and they just, the two, Charlie's two friends, like doing a, st- a stunning, stunning spell or something like that, flying away with the dragon. I'm not sure. But they had a harness all set up, so. Yeah, they, they came ready to go. Like, it wasn't like a... Charlie telling them, hey guys, I need you to go do this thing for me. Like, they they came knowing that they were smuggling a dragon out. Which, by the way, I have this in my notes. Hagrid seems really comfortable for having an illegal dragon, illegal dragon in his hut. As someone who was expelled slash excommunicated from school slash wizarding. Granted, he came into the dragon under hazy circumstances. And when I say hazy circumstances, I mean He'd been chock full of brandy at that point. That's just my go-to for Hagrid. Now I'm just assuming he was drunk on brandy. He's very laissez-faire about about having this thing. And again, we know he loves you know magical creatures. He's going to grow into becoming the care for magical creatures teacher. This is illegal though. Like this is a big deal for someone that's already been kicked out of school, had his wand shattered, and then. Dumbledore kind of came to his rescue and was like, uh, well, no, you can, you can be the groundskeeper here. Like I'll, I'll keep you around, you know? And that speaks highly of Dumbledore, but this is just really reckless for Hagrid. Or is it his norm? I mean, Chris, you know what else is probably illegal to keep a wizarding eating arachnids and they're just chilling out in the forbidden forest and Hagrid's taking care of those Aragon. I mean, that's again, that's part of why he got, expelled in the first place but was it because of that or was it because they suspected the spider of eating people that's book two talk i think he would still get in trouble if people knew he was keeping that spider out in the forbidden forest later on God, that stupid forest man in a later book uh, order of the phoenix when he gets his half brother yeah where does he stick him <laughs> you know i i why doesn't Hogwarts just, like, level that whole forest? Because it's, there's nothing good comes out of it, literally. Only well, bad things come out of it. We'll learn that they can't because centaurs live there, and you don't want to mess with them. Uh, I, a whole, whole other discussion, which we'll come to, because we have centaur talk coming up. In, in the very next chapter, I believe. Yeah, next chapter. Yeah. But, yeah, so we do find out that, you know, the dragon eventually is going to hatch. We've already talked about it. Hagrid names him Norbert. And then, Paul, you had some stuff about yeah. the name Norbert. You think you know where it came from? Yeah, Norbert is a Germanic name. It's a mix of Bright and North. He's Norwegian, so a Nor- oh, okay. you know, coming from the North. And Bright, you know, a dragon, Bright flames. So that kind of makes sense. But I almost could have sworn that Norbert was the name Whoa. of one of the Knights of the Round that was the last one to slay a dragon. Like, he slayed the last dragon. Ooh, I, I my don't know enough about like Arthurian legend to right. to know anything about that. And also, there's so many Arthurian legend stories, especially when it comes to the Knights of the Round Table. Some of the legends say there was only 12 Knights of the Round Table. 
13 if you count Mordred. Some people say there were up to 600 Knights of the Round Table. So Norbert would be one of these lesser ones. And I was even trying to find my old Middle Ages to Shakespearean English course book that I had that we read some. Beowulf was one of the stories in there because it has to be some Chaucer was in there. And then there was some Arthurian legend. I could have sworn it was one, except I cannot find that course book anymore, probably because I sold it. <laughs> you, probably, you, know. you probably were able to get like 60 bucks for it. Nobody blames yep. you. So, But I could have sworn that was the case, but I couldn't find anything online that supports that. So it just might be me having a weird fever dream about it. Gotcha. But St. Nor- Norbert was really big in uh, aesthetics or aesthetics. Where Norwegian not, Ridgeback. That's what you're trying to Norwegian say. Norwegian Ridgebacks. Exactly, Chris. Good job. Not not looking well, but uh, putting yourself under undue strain and strict diets in order to devote yourself to your religion. Where three of his uh, devotees that were learning under him actually tried to follow his same regimen and died. Oof. Yeah, so this guy was, you know, pretty darn hardcore. He's the only saint with the name Norbert. And his mother's name, he was um, part of, oh, I think Dutch or... Can't re- I didn't write down the the country he's from, but he was part of the nobility. And apparently he was riding on his horse one day. Lightning struck near the horse, threw him from the horse. He gets knocked out, close call with death, and then devotes himself to uh, Catholicism. Very weird guy. So I could see, you know, maybe that's where this name Norbert comes from. And I, I definitely think it's from St. Norbert, and J.K. Rawlings read about him, because St. Norbert's mother's name was Hedwig. Oh, see, it all becomes clear now. What about this Hedwig? Maybe I'll learn more about her. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what I found when I was looking for a Hedwig, when I was trying to figure out uh, why Harry picked that name, so that makes sense. She was just nobility, and uh, is the mother of St. Norbert. <laughs> well, sometimes the name's just a name. And it sounds like all of those people went through a lot more hassle than uh, Harry and the rest of the gang went through because honestly, it seems like it's a pretty smooth pickup. They get up there. The dragon gets taken off by uh, Charlie's friends. That's kind of about it. Like all's well that ends well, right? The only thing that could go wrong is if you forget, you know, leave anything behind. When you go in to do a job, you count your tools, you make sure you know where they are at all times and you, take them with you how bad is it that the kids forget the one tool that relied on for getting them around the invisibility cloak because that's how they were able to smuggle norbert up to the tallest tower at hogwarts in his crate by the way they did it under cover of invisibility cloak and they forget it and they go down the stairs and come face to face with professor mcgonagall oh who not only catches them in the act but then has the gall to take 50 points from Gryffindor each. Oh, that happens in the next chapter. Is it? I thought it was this one. No, because the, the they we end with them just being like, oh, no, they don't come face-to-face with uh, Professor McGonagall. They come face-to-face with uh, Fletch. 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 I, that's the one name I can never say. McGonagall finds Malfoy. She takes Malfoy to see Professor State. Hermione and Harry come down the stairs, and it's, it's Filch. That uh, finds them too, and he says, "Well, well, we are in trouble because they left the invisibility cloak on top of the tower." Yeah, and that's how that chapter ends. Shoddy sneaking on their part. Mm-hmm. You know what? They were just happy. They were just out of their minds with pleasure with themselves. They got away with it. Malfoy got in trouble for it. 
it's over. They, Malfoy doesn't have anything to hold over their heads anymore. Ron's going to be okay. Everything was looking up. They should have been looking down at the the floor of the tower because that's where the invisibility cloak was. But we'll be looking forward to their punishment coming in the next chapter. Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. Until next time, please rate and review our podcast over wherever you listen to this. Comment. You know, if you want to email us, you can email us. Uh, no, yeah, bangaboardcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and write a mention there. Uh, if you mention us on Twitter, we will never, it'll take us a year to see it. We're so bad at Twitter.